1: 9-1 to one should be a ton of fun Sam Levine, Glenn Taylor among our guests We start with the opening bell Now launching
2: sequence Mackie and John we'll
3: we, we get things rolling with the opening bell The big thing is You know, not to change To concentrate on the improvement And so uh, we have to put the work into this. We want to keep getting better all season long. You know, it, I think that if you start uh, taking shortcuts, the results aren't going to be good. And obviously there's a lot of work to be done. This will be a great test for us. Uh, if we're looking back at you know uh, what happened here, we won't be ready for what's coming.
1: That the voice of Wolves coach Tom Thibodeau. Good morning, everyone. 858 here on 1500 ESPN from the TCL Broadcast Studios. It's the Mackey and Judge Show. Those guys on vacation back tomorrow. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Chris Long from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. Chris, the Wolves have, what is it, their first five-game winning streak since Kevin McHale's Wolves in 09. Their first, what is it, 7-3. The first time they are four games over 500, since Dwayne Casey's Wolves in 07. It's fun times right now. That's
0: an incredible stat, that second one. I, I Over the weekend when they won the, the fourth game in a row, the fact that I said at my lead on Channel 5, four-game win streak is not anything really to write home about in the NBA. It is here. It was their first four-game win streak in five years. Five, okay, that's a little and we're going to keep doing this as long as this win streak continues. Now, have got their work cut out for them on Wednesday night at Golden State. But that just tells you, it it hit me how, this is a terrible word to use when you're in the media, but irrelevant the team has been. That four-game win streak hadn't happened in five years. I mean, you forget as one season rolled into another, rolled into another, how bad this team had been. You just sort of accept it and move on. Now, conversely, I sort of disagree with, with what Tibbs is saying there yes you change let's get some swagger now you've earned well seven and three is still small sample size but i i don't like that forget what we've done no this is a different now he may be saying a different thing in the microphone than he's saying in the locker room but i I think this team should start going out you're not climbing the ladder and you're looking around that locker room now saying we're not building something we have something
1: and let's go out and play like it how about validate this run with a win Wednesday. You mentioned it at Golden State. Now, be careful. I don't know if you saw some of the things that John Wall and Bradley Beal said <laughs> yeah. before the Friday Wizards-Cavs game. <laughs> yeah. Then LeBron James goes out and scores, what was it, 57 points. Yeah. So be careful. But what about winning on Wednesday? How much fun would that be? And I don't think Golden State, whether it's they're now
0: the San Antonio Spurs where they're going to kind of have a governor on their engine during the course of the regular season and turn it on when they need to. But... They haven't been as razor sharp so far this season as they've been in the last two. I think that they've seen trying to win 74 games a season can run you down a little bit, so maybe there is a little concerted effort to not have the the, the hammer down the whole season. Uh, sure, I, I think more than definitely in the last two years, especially with what the Wolves have, but just in looking at the complexion of the, of the Warriors, they're a little more susceptible to a sucker punch than they've
1: been. You know what, though? They are still so special still the best team in the NBA. offensively and defensively when they want to be. I still worry a little bit about the Wolves defense. Now it was better over the weekend. But doesn't matter when you're scoring 112 points. You think about Saturday. The win over Dallas. Jimmy Butler only scored 4 points. Yeah, as if Jimmy and but- it wasn't an issue. As
0: a Jimmy Butler fantasy owner, he's killing me. But
1: he'll get you rebounds, he'll get you assists. No,
0: he's killing me. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because the effect, and you don't want to make this all on one guy. I mean, I think Todd Gibson has been great. I think Jeff Teague has exceeded with the expectations I had for him. But Jimmy Butler has made such a huge difference in, you nailed it. Defensively, the, the Wolves haven't had an, a defensive identity since Kevin Garnett left town the first time. I think they finally have this defensive identity. And if that's going to be his role and that's what he's going to do and he can... Score thirteen points last night and they win going away at the end. I, I that's certainly a situation that you would like if you're a Timberwolves fan. How
1: about seemingly it's an egoless Jimmy Butler? Yeah, it doesn't look like he needs his. And or, that was the tag. once his. It's was... not like he's taking all these crazy shots. Right, he doesn't care.
0: And that was the whole fear when he came here. Well, if Butler tries to take over, uh-huh. does that stunt the growth of Carl Anthony Towns? Not going to be a problem.
1: How about Jeff Teague last night? Yeah, three after three, a wizard with the ball. I mean, heck, I still miss Ricky Rubio. I root for Ricky Rubio to succeed in Utah. I'm a Ricky Rubio fan, but I got it at the time, the way Tibbs wants to play. We are now seeing that. I mean, outside of that first game in San Antonio, when Teague was just destroyed by Murray, the young point guard Murray, Teague couldn't play on-ball defense. Outside of that game, opening night, Teague has been really, really good. I mean, I don't
0: want to lean too much on the big three stats, but when you look across the board and and you've got, what was it last night, three guys double-doubled? Two nights ago, I think it was also three. I mean, guys. T
1: got a double-double in the first half. Well, or maybe a, it was nine assists. It, it, it was just about a double-double.
0: And you don't want to put too much stock on just the big three stats. But, I, I mean, the fact that these guys are getting contribution from everywhere. And Gorgie Jang has reinvented himself. He all of a sudden, what, you have 11 rebounds last night? It, this is the team you hoped that they were assembling when you looked at this roster. And so far, no one has been disappointing None of the the core eight players. I think you said, I want this out of this guy. None of those eight, except for maybe Jimmy Butler on offense, has fallen short of that goal.
1: Maybe Gorgie a little bit. He's still adjusting to this new role, but he was good last night. And
0: he can be in that role as long as the front court's doing what the front court's doing.
1: Here's what I love, though. Maybe what I love the most. They have a bench. Yeah. When's the last time the Wolves had a legitimate bench? It helps when Jamal Crawford is a shot maker, right? I mean, he's been making shots. Nemanja Bialica has been making shots. The motivation of being in a contract here, Bialica, a free agent after the season. But you think about those two guys in particular, you know, even Tyus Jones has played well. They have a real bench. And the guy you haven't even mentioned
0: who was sort of some gnashing of teeth when Shabazz Muhammad looked like he wasn't going to resign. He comes back. He's the ninth, tenth man. Effective in that. Stunk last night. Effective in that role. He's a good energy guy off the bench. He can
1: be better. Sure, He is an energy guy, but though. That's, I still love the signing for the minimum. Absolutely. Give me Shabazz Muhammad. He can play better than this, though. Right. Which is encouraging. So the bench has been really good, and Shabazz has just been mediocre or below mediocre.
0: He needs to be able to heat up. He needs to be microwave. He needs to heat up quick when he does come in, and I think he'll be okay once he settles into that role, but to have him a guy who had a big role three, two, one year ago, now he's your ninth or tenth man, but seems to fit pretty well in that role. That just tells you how different things are this year. It's maybe no better illustration
1: than that, how different things are. It's hard for me to stay in the moment to not drift ahead to April. Sure, I get it. 72 games away. A lot can change. The Western Conference is a grind. But we should see playoff basketball here for the first time mm. since oh three, oh four. Why don't you knock on Fort Micah here and go I know. For some ho- uh, injuries? Yeah. Injuries, injuries, injuries are the great equalizer
0: and especially in the NBA. If Towns gets hurt, things change.
1: There's a bunch of good teams in the West too. I mean, I'm watching Blazers <laughs> yeah. Thunder last night. Melo got kicked out, but I mean that was one heck of a game. Yeah. The Lakers are actually better than I thought. Sacramento's not as good as I thought, I feel for my guy Dave Yeager. Phoenix is playing better since they kicked Eric Bledsoe off the team. And as
0: someone who still has some ties to some Eastern teams, and I watch scoreboards and standings more than games,
1: the East stinks. You know what? though? The Indiana's East. better than we thought, which Orlando's tells you, better than we thought, which Detroit.
0: Tell, which tells you how bad the East stinks.
1: You know what? The, the East has had some success against the West. Still, give me the West. Yeah. But I'm just telling you. Look at look at the win loss records of some of those teams in the East. It's a good. There's time. a few surprises. It's a good
0: time to be buying stock in the Timberwolves, despite what the Western Conference looks like, and that's. Remember, when they signed Jimmy Butler, everybody said, oh, two seed, three seed? Well, then the whole all-star roster transfers into the Western Conference and you go, mm, six seed, seven seed. They're 4-5, and they're going to be solid, and they just might have a shot against somebody in the first round.
1: Give me Wolves Thunder. If it's 4-5, give me Wolves Thunder best of seven first round. By the way, the Butler trade, that might be one of those deals that works out brilliantly for both sides. Laurie Markkinen, who yeah. was the Wolves guy if they kept pick seven, he's off to a great start with the Bulls. Zach Levine should be back soon. I think we all like Zach Levine's ceiling. And Chris Dunn still has a chance. Maybe he's more a backup, more a sixth man type. But Chris Dunn should be in the NBA for the next 10 years. I think Chicago will be okay in the end with that trade. Now, if you have a chance to acquire a top 10, top 12, two-way guy in the entire league, like the Wolves did in acquiring Jimmy Butler, you do it. But I don't mind that deal for Chicago long term.
0: Uh, Lori Mark and nicknames. Which of these? I saw these three floated.
1: Well, I know where you're going with the this. The finisher spelled F I N. The the best. Bunun- yes, baby Dirk. Baby Dirk's not like the finisher.
0: And then I saw someone say the finish Mamba.
1: You know, my other new favorite nickname right now is Jamal Crawford. Scorelord. Jimmy Butler came up with that uh, for him. Uh, I like it. I don't know if I'm seen, biased
0: everything Jamal. I'm not sure if that's gonna be a if you're gonna see the Scorelord shoe anytime. Jamal's so. my
1: guy. I tried to get him on. He's got some commitments this morning. I tried to get him on today. I'll have him on the podcast either this week. He's great. Or next week.
3: Give to Hignan. Hignan right up the middle. He's at the right
2: hash at the 40 the 50, to 50. Teron Hignan. Flying down the right sideline, he's at the ten. Tyrone Higdon will score! Touchdown, Michigan!
3: Some runs came spitting out because of a lot of missed tackles. You know, and that's the big thing. They had a lot of miss. We had a lot of missed tackles, and you have one missed tackle against this team, they are out the gate. And um, we had a lot of people missed a ton of tackles, and uh, had to make some adjustments. And uh, offensively, lost some more guys, and you know they were able to get more pressure in the second half. To answer your question, a lot more pressure off the edge and. You know, you're down to some uh, some guys who've never played before, you know, and their first game's got to go against some some phenomenal, phenomenal pass rushers. So, um, you know, we just we got whooped.
1: The Gophers football team loses a trophy game for a second consecutive week. Chris, if Michigan wanted to run for 500 yards, they had about 380 after three quarters. They called off the dogs in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was, I mean, talk about, you know, woodshed, whatever you want to say. I mean, and it's not youth. You think about the Gophers have two senior defensive tackles. Celestine, one of their linebackers. These players just weren't in the right position. I don't know if that's coaching, whatever it is. They were ill-prepared to handle Michigan's run offense on Saturday.
0: And two things. This is not a great Michigan football team. They You lost by 23 points. They that's, might
1: beat Wisconsin, though.
0: You lost by 23 points. That's not a blowout despite what your eyes would, despite what your eyes would tell you and i was watching that game with everybody else and by the end of it it just they were the you know the heavyweight that somehow stayed on their feet for 12 rounds but ended up looking like rocky at the end of rocky 1 i mean it was not a blowout despite what your eyes tell you the scoreboard 23 points but this is not a good michigan
1: team should have been 26 and- by the way or 20 or 19 why fleck took the field, field 33 7 i mean it's not like that's Should among it? the top talking points off that game but no. i'm not quite sure what fleck was doing there
0: here's the thing you're talking about because the, the the eye test tells you every time i'm you know i'm doing something on saturday and i have the game on and every time i look up somebody in blue is breaking free and running for 65 yards problem here is the offense is a disaster and i there's a list of reasons why the Gopher offense is an absolute disaster. They, they had 112 yards in the first quarter of the game, and they ended up with 164 yards. That, how you, 50 yards in three quarters of a college football game that Michigan D is not elite.
1: <laughs> that was an accident. Might be close, though. That defense is pretty good.
0: They're not great. They're not great. The fact that... 50 yards in three quarters of a Division I FBS football game is not okay. So, again, your eyes would tell you, and you saw the highlights we ran on Channel 5 or what they were talking about on BTN. Yeah, you miss a few tackles, and these two running backs run for a combined 391 yards. If your offense does anything, anything, throw two more touchdowns on the board, convert that field goal into a touchdown, and score one more, at least you're in the game despite the fact you're just getting crushed by these two running backs.
1: Sure, but you were never winning that game. Agreed. Here was the head scratcher. They had the early touchdown drive. That was an <laughs> impressive drive, so I thought, and okay. They threw, they, and they threw the ball one time. I know, but yeah. you did that. You'll do that again right? or multiple times throughout the course of the rest of the game, and yet right. they didn't. I mean, did they have any yards in the third quarter? And I don't they, think they gained one single yard. In the third uh, quarter. Uh,
0: negative thirty three yards. In the okay, third quarter. well there you
1: go. Okay, so what are the issues with the offense? I mean, I get it. Well line. Injuries along the offensive line. The one kid Green got kicked out. Nick Connolly oh. retired a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Shannon Brooks didn't play. The Wildcat didn't work. What was the Wildcat? They kept going back to the Wildcat on Saturday. Why?
0: The issue is, and and I don't want to throw this all in one guy and going after quarterbacks is the low hanging fruit.
1: His receivers don't help him. No. But I'm with you where you're going on this on Croft.
0: That's the shift. Michigan basically after that first drive or the first quarter well all right, we're just gonna make them try to throw the ball and they didn't 12 attempts in a game that you trailed the whole way through they had a 3rd and 15 at their own 7 I initially thought it was Demory Croft I think it was a wildcat where Rodney Smith cut the ball 3rd and 15 you're running a a read from your own 7
1: I saw you tweet that yeah you you have no shot at winning a
0: football game Uh, and if Croft can't do it Find someone who can. Give Seth Green a chance. Put Connor Roda back in. If you're going to, tr- running isn't going to work at that point. You did two quarters, negative 33 yards in the third quarter. You have to throw the football to have any chance to win. It's, it's definition insanity. don't
1: have any receivers, though. You missed Demetrius Douglas. Tyler Johnson has a bright future. Yeah. He was good in the non conference. He still struggles to create separation, he struggles on 50 50 balls. Mark Williams is not a wide receiver. Maybe he will but be in a year. Man. Five completions. He's still a quarterback. Five completions. Lining up as a wide receiver. Five completions. They don't have guys to throw to. I would like to think Wozniak at six foot ten, you could throw the ball to him a little bit. But
0: they don't. The, throw it up in the air and hope he gets it. That, that's a better shot on third and fifteen than a, a draw. I, it just watching the offense infuriated me. It just, I, and I'm not a football coach, and I'm not. You know, there's everyone on that staff is better at X's O's than I am. But the fact that I hope so. You had yeah, way better. You had a game that you could have at least been in. Make a change. Adapt. Michigan clearly is now doing all they can to stop your run, and they've been successful in the second quarter, so you go to halftime. They've been successful in the third quarter, and you still come out trying these Wildcats and trying to run the ball. Michigan was selling out to stop the run, and it worked.
1: It absolutely worked. I'm still bugged by the Iowa game. I didn't think they had a chance over the weekend. Two weekends ago, Although, if you played okay, you win in Iowa City, a team that just destroyed Ohio State. That one will bug me for a while. The one at Purdue will bug me for a while. The yeah, Michigan loss won't bug me.
0: Those are the games that are going to cost you a bowl. Losing at Ann Arbor is is not the game. What that's do you mean they are
1: favored bowl. against Nebraska? You get to five wins with their APR. I just noticed that. Watch, too. they will go to a bowl game with five victories. I
0: just noticed that yesterday. They're fifth in the FBS in the APR. The, the edge, and I think yeah. Two of the teams ahead of them are going to get in, and the other two are not going to get to five wins. So they are going to be at the top of the list if any five-win teams get in, and because there's 700 bowl games, they're going to. So go for fans... Adjust your barometers because you're right. They're not two wins away from a bowl game. They are most likely one win away from a bowl
1: game. And Nebraska they... is horrible. You should win that game at TCF Bank Stadium this week. I mean, Northwestern's
0: better than we thought they were going to be. Yeah, I don't think board. you're winning that game. Right. right. And, and you're not North beating Wisconsin,
1: but you can beat Nebraska. You can get to five <laughs> victories by beating Nebraska. How
0: crazy has the Big Ten become that we're saying a gopher team that hasn't really done much, has a good shot and is favored to beat Nebraska, and that may put them into a bowl at five wins. I know. College football.
1: Here's all I care about, though. At least P.J. Fleck gets this. He needs to fix the quarterback spot. They've offered numerous kids, a JUCO, a Boise State commit. They need to fix the quarterback spot. Fleck gets that. Trust me. When's the last time the Gophers had a quarterback drafted? P.J. Fleck gets that. That's in large part why P.J. Fleck is here. Now, you have to find that guy. You have to develop that guy. But at least... PJ Flood gets it. All right, hang tight, Chris. 9-15 here on 1500 ESPN, the TCL Broadcast Studios. It's Doogie, it's Chris Long, it's Dave Harrigan. We're in for Mackie and Judd. We can take some calls. Steve and Bill are on hold. They want to talk Gophers when we come back. Plus some other leftover stuff from the weekend we didn't get to, the Wild Gophers Hockey. Then Kevin Seifert is on at 9-30. So lots to get to in this 9 a.m. hour. Mackie and Judd
2: are back. Put
0: down the sports page and listen. On
3: 1500 ESPN. We were able to create... Some things in the second half, here and there. First half, here and there. But there's no consistency. There's no flow to the game. Uh, every time we get a flow going, or somebody gets hurt, or somebody's coming out, or or um, we we didn't have many penalties, which is good for another another week. Um, but then we have the you know the sack fumble. Um, you know that hurt us. There were two drives, I think, in the uh, first. Or, I can't remember first or second half. I think first half uh, where we did get the ball at the 50 yard line, had a really nice field position, and we didn't get anything from them.
1: With that the voice of Gophers football coach, P.J. Fleck. Welcome back to the Mackey and Judge Show. Those guys are on vacation back tomorrow. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Chris Long from the 5 Eye Winners New Sports Department. We'll get to some uh, leftover weekend items in a second. Kevin Seifert about 12 minutes away, but Steve is patiently on hold. He wants to follow up on our discussion from the last segment about the Gophers-Michigan game, specifically the late field goal. Good morning,
2: Steve. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I'm Absolutely. Real quick, listen into to him whining about not capitalizing on this and that. He's the coach, right? They're going backwards. And I get it. They don't have talent. He doesn't have his players. I get all that stuff. But they should be improving, right? And I don't see him improving. That's number one. Number two, the late field goal, it just speaks – volumes to this guy's character in my opinion there is absolutely no reason to take that field goal other than to kind of throw up a fraudulent score that looks better to these you know bowl guys that are going to you know hopefully get you in with a five win year and and it also kind of shows me let's say that was 33 to nothing right and this guy drives down and it, it tells me with a minute left he would have kicked a field goal just to break the shutout and i, I think that speaks volumes about a coach's character about what he's willing to you know kind of show to his team and i, I just i'm just kind of curious what, what are your thoughts about kicking that field goal? i thought it was absolutely gutless and sends just a, a horrible message to your team as a leader uh, i'll hang up and listen thanks. all right thank you steve
1: thanks for the call i
0: can see both sides of the argument i mean what PJ Fleck would tell you, and I didn't hear him discussing it specifically, but you get all the way down there, you've been taking punches the whole day, let's put some points up, let's let's at least get out of here, you know, let's exhale a little bit if we're not going to fully celebrate a touchdown. But my argument is with you, what do you have to lose? Punch it in. You're going to feel a lot better on that flight home, marginally, but a lot, you'll feel better on the ride home. Punch that touchdown in. You know, hey, look, we... we, we Kind of got off the mat there late. And if you fail, well, all right, we went down swinging. But I do see, Flex Point, you don't want to have, as your guys have been just taking punch after punch after punch, another drive stall. So you take your three and you get out of there. I, you know, I, I, I can't say what I'd have done in his position, but I can say watching the game, you would love to see, you know what, go for this, go for this, man.
1: I would have gone for it. I'm not losing sleep over the decision to take the three. Yeah, that's way down the It's list. the Tim Brewster defeatist attitude. Score. Remember Brewster Score back last. in the day? Score last, right? Yeah. They scored last. By the way, that put the game over. Well, somebody made the joke he should have just done Lane Kiffin. Did somebody Kiffin. on the coaching staff have the over of, what was it, 41 and a half or 42?
0: Yeah. Should have just made the Lane Kiffin statement after the game and said, I oh, saw his tweet. We, we figured we'd help everybody out a little bit. <laughs> we wanted to make sure we got the over.
1: Yeah, Lane Kiffin, if you missed it. When was it? I think they played on Friday. They did. Where does he coach? Florida Atlantic, or FAU, international. Yeah. yeah, I think it was two. Or, it doesn't matter who they played, but yeah, game Friday night, right? And they took a safety on which, the last play of the game, which was which screwed up the point spread. But it
0: was okay strategy. Yeah, it was fine. Um, yeah. Somebody said they wonder if the NCAA will because they are so worried about like even that he broached that he was aware of what the spread or the uh, the over the spread was. Well, of course he
1: was because he tweeted
0: it. Well, he's Lynn Kiffin, like <laughs> right. So they wondered if there wouldn't be some. Recourse, but yeah, team takes the safety. Basically could have punted, but took the safety and changed the spread. And he said, Yeah, I had to keep it interesting. You know, we know everybody's watching on Fridays. So anyway, I
1: I mean go for it. I, but again, there's other things that bug me. Now I fully get they are down so many guys. You think about all the guys from last year's team that are gone. And they were already thin. Persig, latarski Myrick. You know, the Ekpays along the defensive line. You know, Galen Elmore transfers. They lost a couple other offensive linemen to transfer. You would take Mitch Leidner. You would take 2016 Mitch Leidner absolutely right now. You definitely would take 2014 or 2015 Leidner. But yeah, I mean, if Leidner's years, last year was the worst, you would still take 2016 Mitch Leidner. So go up and down the list. You think about the guys kicked off the team. Rightfully so, but Keontae Harden. Yeah, those are Ray Buford. Those would be your starting cornerbacks right there. Yeah. Antoine Winfield Jr. hurt. Demetrius Douglas hurt. Your starting right tackle from Red Wing, Nick Connolly, retires because of concussions. So, talent wise, they are suffering. I get it. I'm not quite sure a lot of Gophers fans get it. This is such a different team because a lot of Gophers fans, casual fans will say, they won nine games last year. What the heck is this? They might not even get to five this year. How do you go from nine to four or five? How does that happen? Injuries,
0: graduation, and transfers. Exactly. That's but I don't how.
1: think everybody understands that.
0: And I think a lot of people are piling on PJ Fleck because his demeanor opens him up to it. And well, he's okay with that.
1: How about some of the players on the other team mocking the row of the boat? Did you see well, that that's gonna in happen. Iowa? That's going to happen. And in
0: Michigan? Forever. Classic. Yeah. That's going to happen forever. Well, yeah,
1: you welcome it. When you're that vocal Absolutely. about something, even though most people don't understand the origin of row of the boat, right? You know, him losing his son and all that. You know, if you're an opposing player. You just think, I'll oh, row the boat. I'm going to mock the you-know-what out of this. I, I would 100% do that if I was on yeah. one of oh, yeah. the other teams. Yeah, I'm not. Everybody's
0: off. The shine is off, P.J. Fleck, and I get it. Look, this year zero thing he came up with, which is genius, is real. He's right. He knew.
1: Don't get me going on year zero. I'm with it's you. It's not year zero. But he
0: knew this was coming. He prepared. Now, yes. Not at first. Yes. He prepared. Well, he didn't prepare everybody for it because. In one sentence, he'd be talking about year zero, and we've got a lot of work to do. And the other one, he's talking about we're gonna win, we're gonna compete for Big Ten titles. Well, I mean, what so was the number one hear, talking point? though? twenty eighteen recruiting,
1: twenty nineteen recruiting, and he's right, he's right. But some of the other stuff overshadowed him talking about twenty eighteen recruiting class, twenty nineteen right. recruiting class.
0: He'll talk about that, but then he'll say, "But we're gonna win a Big Ten title." A fan is gonna hear, "We're gonna win a Big Ten title."
1: He also says, "Dot dot dot." I don't know when, right? But it'll happen. I, I it might am, be seven years from now.
0: I am still. It may be never. I, I am still, I'm still buying PJ Flex stock. Absolutely. I am still preaching. You gotta give this guy time. You have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, Jerry Kill didn't start off great. Now Jerry Kill didn't get you where you want to be, but he was certainly on the way there.
1: Hey, New Year's Day bowl game. Even mm-hmm. if there was a lot of uh, luck asterisk, and circumstance, asterisk, asterisk, yeah, well, Barry Alvarez on the committee helped, but, but he still. was on his
0: way. If you would have given Jerry Kill another four year cycle, mm-hmm. another full recruiting cycle to build on that, I who knows. Who knows? Uh, and the I was Big not, Ten
1: West. I'm with you. And I not, me the Big Ten West. I was
0: not Jerry Kill's biggest supporter. I had a lot of problems with things that Jerry Kill did, and that's an unpopular opinion in Gopherland, and I'm okay with that. But I'm still buying PJ Flex stock, mm-hmm. and I think he has been saying, if you listen to everything he said, and it's thanks for senior players. That's the guys you always feel for. When I hear him talking about this, and I'm looking at the roster, it's tough to be for these senior players to to hear we're just we're just not going to be that good this year. And we need to recruit hard, and we need to build, and we need to look toward the future. He's right. He's absolutely right. And get off the boat now if you want to, but you're going to see a resurgence. He's already made big strides in in in-state recruiting. Now, you're not going to win conference titles with just in-state recruiting, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's just going to take a little while to
1: get there. I firmly believe that. We have another Steve. Steve, good morning. Hey, dude.
2: First of all, you know Chris says that it wasn't a blowout. Well, okay, they got dominated. I'm not sure there's a difference. But beyond that, looking forward, Horner Brooks, the sophomore. Nate Stanley, who just threw, threw five touchdowns against Ohio State, the sophomore.
1: Love that so kid was, from a nominee. The Gophers didn't really recruit him. They didn't offer Purdue's him, I can tell Purdue's you that. On
2: the, uh, Purdue's on the upswing with a much superior offensive mind as their head coach. Uh-huh. And the worst thing that could happen to the Gophers is uh, Mike Riley, who's a super nice guy. But I think his time has come and gone for Frost or someone to roll into Nebraska. I mean, you know, Fleck can talk futures. Glenn Mason said it best. When you don't have results, you got to sell hope. And your buddy Chris there is buying into it, and he's going to look silly in two or three
1: years. Well, I'll say this much, Stephen. I'll put you on hold. You can hear our reaction. Still give me the Big Ten West. I mean, you can lay out yeah. Purdue this, Northwestern that, Nebraska. As long as I'm not in the division with Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State, I'll still take my chances. Hornerbrook is not that good of a quarterback at Wisconsin. I'm sorry. We'll disagree on that. Steve, I love Stanley. I wish Kill and Clays and those guys recruited the kid. 70 miles down the road in Menominee. They didn't really have interest in him. He's a good quarterback for Iowa. He'll be a good quarterback for the next few years. He's a young kid. I like him. But still, give me the chances in the Big Ten West versus the Big Ten East.
0: And Steve, I will call Darren as a defense to my character. Uh, how popular, popular am I basically overarching with Gopher Nation across the board?
1: Not. Well, you might be above me. Not very. Uh, I'm actually more positive than negative, but I think I, you're above me. I, I have a history. But you're not real high. It,
0: it, Gopher Nation, Steve, doesn't really care for me that much historically. Because uh, I tell you what I think, and I'm telling you what I think. And I'm not – well, sure I am. I guess I was just going to say I'm not buying into P.J. Flex selling hope. But, yeah, I guess I am. I'm looking at the only thing I can look at, and that's his track record. He didn't win a single game his first year at Western Michigan. How I've been – He won one. I, after the last game. That's right. Next to last game. I've been to Kalamazoo, Michigan. Not a lot there.
1: Recruiting there, not easy. I'm with you. I don't think people grasp how hard it was to build a winner in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I get It's the MAC. It's not the Big Ten. But that wasn't easily done. Because he did that, I do give him the benefit of the doubt here for a few years.
0: And that's all I can base it on. And you mentioned Scott Frost going to Nebraska. I think that's a foregone conclusion.
1: Mm. What about Florida? Nah, he's going to come home. Who's going to the Gators then?
0: Don't know. But he, Frost is going to go home.
1: Yeah, I guess. Former Husker, yeah. Uh,
0: so anyway, yes, I am buying hope based on his track record because I don't have anything else to go on. And I see these kids, these 18, 19-year-old kids, if he can get a group of you know, disciples that buy into his message and are willing to run through walls for him, that's how you win in college football these days. And yeah, I'll, I'll own that maybe I'm buying into the hope a little bit, but uh, certainly not doing it because of any sort of uh, predisposition to maroon and gold.
1: Up against the clock, so we won't get to the Wild this segment. They finish their six-game homestand with a loss to Chicago over the weekend. So a 3-3 and homestand. The Wild's back in action tonight in Boston, the start of a four-game road trip. We'll get to Gophers hockey. Actually, college hockey is a whole later in the show. Thad Levine on an hour from now. Glenn Taylor on at 11 a.m. But when we come back, we shift to the NFL. It's Kevin Seifert here on 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey.
0: I'd call him a charming Boras. That's what I'd call him. Perfect. Perfect description. But he's a true gentleman. Oh,
1: they all, everybody
3: loves him. Judd Zolgad.
0: I think that he's sort of the Steve Bartman of the Twin Cities.
3: Yes. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
1: This is a 44-yarder.
2: And it's no good. This will be a 39-yard try for Walsh. And that one is going to go wide as well.
1: Snap and hold are good. The kick is hooking, and it's wide left again! Three times in a row, all wide left. Unbelievable. Former Viking Blair Walsh of the Seattle Seahawks missing three field goals. The Redskins beat the Seahawks in a close game yesterday. Welcome back to the Mackey and Judge Show, 935-1500 ESPN. Darren Doogie Wolfson. Chris Long from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department filling in for Mackie and Judd. Those guys are back tomorrow.
0: <laughs> sorry about that, Vikings fans. Little little trigger there for you. Vikings fans sitting in their cubicles.
1: Oh, no! <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. I'm not shocked. You know, one of those types <laughs> of reactions. Kevin Seaford always on Mondays at 930. Kevin, for some reason, I have a bad vision in my mind, I guess from a Vikings fan standpoint that blair walsh and seattle is a six seed comes to u.s bank stadium in early january six seed seahawks against the three seed vikings blair walsh wins the game for seattle 59 yarder at the gun
4: well maybe they should move the game to tcf if that was, if that was the i wonder if they could arrange for that you know that's uh you know i i, I personally feel terrible for blair because i know that uh from hand experience that he takes uh those misses very very personally and if you know, these are. This is not the sec first or second time this has happened. You look at his entire career, and if you were to put it in a sort of a bar graph, you would see the ups and downs uh, pretty easily. That he goes on streaks, he hits everything from anywhere, and suddenly when he miss, he starts missing, and when he misses, it's not. A lot of times, it's not even close. So he's definitely not mastered the psychological part of kicking um, even though he has all the physical tools you'd want to to be one of the best if not the best in the league in terms of you know being able to hit from 60 and in and being able to to crush it on kickoff so uh, hopefully at some point he can he can smooth out the psychological part Uh, you just cringe when things like yesterday happen though
1: certainly that finish in seattle is one headline I mean, heck, we had what multiple teams scoring over 50 points. Yeah, we had ejections. It was it was a lively Sunday in the NFL.
4: Certainly was. Uh, in the first eight weeks of the season, three uh, players ejected. The yesterday, five players ejected from games. So now we're up to eight. Uh, so that obviously uh, speaks to the three different brawls that occurred. I think so the last one uh, was was so secondhand that nobody even re- recognized it, but. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a suspension or two arising, um, especially for A.J. Green of the Bengals. If you have him on your fantasy team, you might want to start making other arrangements. Um, and then to see the two teams that, were, that scored the 50 points uh, was pretty interesting, too. The, uh, Carson Wentz and the Eagles and Jared Goff and the, and the Rams, the, the two teams that, took, that traded up to take quarterbacks in the first two picks last year. Those uh, those picks uh, and those trades starting to uh, pay off very well for both teams.
0: Hey, I read your column this morning uh, about the fights slash skirmishes, and I thought you made yeah. a pretty good point. Where you almost wonder if Mike Evans wouldn't have been better off being ejected because of the way the NFL looks at ejections, and that might have saved him a suspension. Just explain that a little bit. I thought it was a great point in your column.
4: Yeah, and it's not an official rule or anything, but right. often you'll see, and I, I can remember a situation with Harrison Smith a few years ago from the Vikings where I think he bumped an official and he was ejected, um, and then the, uh, the question was would he be suspended after that, and, and it turned out that they basically, because he was ejected and missed more than half of that game, that they, they was sort of viewed as, as punishment enough. Um, and in the case of Mike Evans, he was allowed to continue playing. So, the, the punishment for blindsiding a guy from behind and just crushing him uh, was was minimal in terms of the game. And so now, we'll see whether the NFL feels compelled to add to it. Uh, you know, I don't know if that if that is a, a suspension uh, a, a hit that's worthy of a suspension independent of itself, but. Uh, the fact that it was treated relatively leniently during the game might put the NFL in a position where it feels like it needs to add to it, and that's really the only uh, the only way to do it other than a, than a huge fine. And so we'll see if that ends up being the case. If it is, he'll certainly lose. You don't lose any money for an ejection, but you lose a game check when you get suspended. So we'll see if he gets hit in that regard.
0: Yeah, and I think Jameis Winston being on the field, tapping somebody in the helmet, with he's not even in the game, and he's not wearing his helmet, probably could have gotten a penalty too. But let's Yeah, f- for sure kind of branching off of Winston here. Here's the thing I was struck with watching sort of what went down in the NFL yesterday. And and this is, we've been talking about this kind of all year, just quarterback situation. How many good, whatever you want to use as your metric, how many good quarterbacks are there in the NFL right now? And is it the game has changed and has made it so quarterback heavy that if you're not perfect, it's glaring, or is just the level of quarterback play descended for some reason over the last six, seven, eight, nine, ten years?
4: I honestly don't think it has. I think there's there's been some, if, if there's been any uh, descent, it's been in the depth at quarterback, and that when a team loses its starter, whether it's an All Pro guy like Aaron Rodgers, or whether it's you know somebody on the on the lower end. The, the the gap can often be really noticeable. I mean, you, you see, we've all seen teams over the years when their starter gets hurt and the next guy up, whether it was when Peyton Manning got hurt in Indianapolis or or if, if something should happen to an Eli Manning or, or, or whatever over the years, there's, there's not anybody um, close to being able to replicate uh, what the starter has done in a lot of places. Sometimes you see it happen, you know, Dak Prescott got on the field and all of a sudden Tony Romo's out of a job, but if there's been any descent, I think it's the depth of quarterback play, and and the explanations typically are that uh, they run different schemes in college, and there's no development process anymore uh, as there used to be, whether it was NFL Europe or longer off seasons, and so we're not seeing that. We're we're seeing a drop in depth. I think is a fair thing to say. I don't know that that we um are, have seen a descent in terms of the starting quarterbacks. Um, you know, it's. There tends to, and this gets into the larger question of just quality of play. There, if you go back in the archives, you will find complaints about the quality of quarterback play throughout NFL history probably, and the same in terms of quality of play. I think there's always been tiers of quarterbacks that you've always had, the Montanas and the um, you know and the Tom Bradys and the, and the Aaron Rodgers that, that kind of are way above the pack, and you've always had teams that, that are struggling there and struggle for a long time I mean I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals had a very uh, good quarterback uh, other than between Kenny Anderson and, and Carson Palmer and that was a <laughs> what's that a, a 25 or 30 year uh, uh, stretch there and so there I don't know that there's been a dramatic drop it's we see so many more games now through direct ticket and through online highlights that we see the bad quarterback play probably a lot more than we used to but by every statistical measure, quarterbacks as a whole are playing as well or, or better um, than they did historically.
1: Was it a good Sunday in any regard, Kevin, for the Vikings? I mean, the Rams win, the Panthers win, Eagles got the Saints win, the Eagles Cowboys their win, sails. even the Redskins. I mean, I guess heading into this week's game, the Redskins now have some mojo after the win against Seattle. So, I guess if yeah. you're a Vikings fan, it was not a good Sunday.
4: Well, or you were just waiting on tonight, you know, I guess uh, with the Packers and Lions. And so that that could potentially, you know, the, if the Packers happen to win that game, that could really bury the Lions um, in the division and then leave the Vikings uh, you know, top challengers for t- division as an Aaron Rodgers-less Packers team. If Packers lose at home to the Lions, then then you wonder, you know, that's, that would be a good sign for Vikings fans that the Packers really are headed in the tank without um, without Aaron Rodgers. So, I think, uh, in terms of Vikings' uh, impact, the TBA was going to be for tonight, regardless.
1: I mean, I'm still looking at November nineteenth, though Rams Vikings at US Bank Stadium. That yeah. game having all sorts of playoff seed implications.
4: And no, no one would have guessed that. And uh, <laughs> correct and no. for by, for on either side, probably. Um, and you know, another thing as I was as I was looking at this at this the second half, start writing a, a playoff um, picture column every Sunday night now and. You look ahead, and, and the one thing that sticks out about the Vikings is we don't even know who the quarterback's going to be during this. I mean, they it could, it could be conceivably be one of three guys um, down the stretch for different reasons. And, and of all the teams on that list of, of, of playoff contenders or teams that would be in the playoffs right now um, if the season ended, uh, by far the, the one with the, the most notable quarterback, not controversy, but quarterback story or uncertainty is the Vikings. And that will be one. Big question that we uh, will see answered maybe this week, but certainly uh, in the next few weeks to see who it is that will be behind center as they try to make the playoffs.
0: Kevin Seaford in with this from ESPN.com, making his uh, usual Monday appearance. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that if I'd told you nine months ago, Case Keenum versus Jared Goff was going to be a pivotal by hinging matchup, yeah. I don't know that I would have believed you. Uh, let me ask this: Adrian Peterson is he back? <laughs>
4: Well, he's on a team that needs him. That's for sure. I mean, that you know, when, when Carson Palmer went down for the Cardinals, uh, Adrian Peterson was was by far their best their best offensive option. Um, and you know, given his age and given his um, uh, yeah, the fact that he you know isn't necessarily a long term player for the Cardinals, you know, why not run him into the ground? You know, that's basically what they did yesterday. with the 37 carries. Yeah,
0: 37 he, for 159.
4: Yeah, and and he may not be in a position where every time he gets the ball, he's a threat to go sixty yards. But he, I think, is still proving that once you can, if you can work him into a lather over the course of a game, he will he can be productive for you. But I would also note, and I was looking at that before the game started. The Forty ers run defense is one of the worst in the league. So. If you were a fantasy player, that was a pretty good bet that uh, that that Adrian would be able to at least run up some yards. I don't think he scored, but he would at least be able to run up some production against that defense. If you're game planning, if you're the Cardinals and 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 Drew Stanton is your quarterback, and you're game planning to play the Forty ers you're running the ball a lot.
0: Yeah, they targeted him four times too, dude. That's yeah. They didn't get the memo on that.
1: Exactly. Helps when you play the 49ers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me ask you this, Kevin. How many defenses right now would you take over the Vikings? I mean, I thought Denver for a bit, but then Denver gives up a fifty spot in Philly. Carolina maybe Jacksonville? I mean the point is Yeah. I mean, is it maybe nobody that the Vikings have the best defense in the NFL? Yeah, I mean
4: statistically I think the Jaguars are atop most of the the basic metrics and the advanced metrics, but I mean in, in terms of like who would who could you go you know you wouldn't go wrong with either one of those groups and um you know it, for every Calais Campbell you have an Everson Griffin and for every Jalen Ramsey you have an Xavier Rhodes so that um the person I, I, I personally think this is the best Vikings defense we've seen or at least is playing better than any Vikings defense we've seen in, in decades um part of it is that they all their main guys are healthy and that hasn't always happened to them in the past few years I mean they whether it's Griffin and Hunter, or inside with, with Joseph, or linebackers, the, the secondary, everybody's healthy and on the field and doing, pre- playing pretty much to the maximum potential you would hope for if you were drawing it up. So I think it's a, it's a pretty good uh, competition there for, between the Vikings and, and Jaguars. But um, when you look at, especially you look at the NFC and you say who is what what asset is that playing at its highest level? You might say the Eagles' offense and the Vikings' defense, and, and it might be hard to, to for anybody any other team's uh, individual side of the ball to rise above that.
1: Kevin, thank you so much. Okay, guys. Kevin Seifert, ESPN.com. He is on the Mackey and Judd Show every Monday morning at 9.30 a.m. Mackey and Judd are back tomorrow on vacation today. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Chris Long from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. When we come back, some leftover NFL talking points, some stuff we didn't get to with Kevin. The Mackey and Judd Show rolls on. now
3: for the main event
1: on 1500 ESPN. Want to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV? Well, you join Phil Mackey at Corner Bar in Minneapolis from 11 a.m. until 1 this Saturday for the ultimate college football viewing party with Dos Equis. You can enjoy a nice cold one and register to win that brand new
0: TV. Put game day over everything this college football season with Dos Equis, the official beer sponsor of the college football playoffs. More details at 1500ESPN.com.
1: Dave, I saw they let you out of the cage last week. You were doing one of those promotional deals. I did. I was down in Mendota at Lucky's 13. It was very festive. It was packed. Those are good spots. Oh, yes, a great spot, and uh, there was a wild game on, a little NFL, and yeah, it was like Navy and somebody college football, but hey, it was a wild night for sports. My old neck of the woods, Henry Sibley, spent a lot of time partying Mm -hmm. in Mendota. Yes, wasn't sober very often in Mendota, but my memories of Mendota are plentiful. (laughs) It was a good time in Mendota, not Mendota Heights, Mendota Heights too, but Mendota, right down Highway 13. Welcome back to the Maggie and Judge Show 953 here on 1500 ESPN. We're live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Chris Long. All right, one could argue maybe the Vikings were done a favor by Seattle losing. If you think Seattle's a team that could jump up to maybe a two-seed type situation, win the NFC West. But the Redskins come back, they win that game. So now the Redskins, Chris, have some mojo heading into this week's game, Vikings at Redskins. So I'm wondering, are the Vikings getting the Redskins at a good time? Or no, just because the Redskins are coming off this this impressive win. But you look at all the injuries the Redskins have. You know, TJ Clemmings was that left tackle for the Redskins yesterday. Maybe the Vikings are getting the Redskins at a good time this week.
0: I mean, the tough thing for the Redskins, and you kind of broached it here off, off microphone we were talking about before this segment, but they have to be desperate. I mean, the Vikings... Kevin Seaford said it, if, if the if the Lions and Packers, I guess, depend. Either way that goes tonight, somebody's going to take a step backward. And the Vikings are starting to look like there's some room for error in the NFC North. Well, the Redskins are on the other side completely. You're chasing the Eagles, who you're not going to catch. The Cowboys are just in front. They're getting better. And who knows what's going to happen with Ezekiel Elliott, which has become a complete circus. Um, they have to play desperate football. And it, they... Played like they are playing desperate football yesterday. There's no room for error for Washington. I was just looking at. It. There's 11 teams in the NFC that are four and four or better, and Detroit is could get there if they beat Green Bay tonight. So there could be 12. Washington's among those sitting there. I hadn't realized. I hadn't really looked at the standings that closely until just this morning. It's just unbelievable how much of a logjam there is. And I know we're only well, we said this last week. I was going to say only nine weeks in, but you know we're <laughs> playoff races are starting to form here. And I think you can only, you know, if Detroit loses tonight, you only have really five teams in the NFC that are out. San Francisco, the Giants, the Buccaneers, the Bears, and the Lions. Other than that, everybody else is still in it, and you nailed it. There are some teams, you know, did you think the Rams were going to be in that mix? No. Did you think that the Redskins were going to this game next week, this week, was going to mean as much to them as it appears like it does, where, you know, two losses for them, they're done from here on out, And and... So, are they catching? Are the Vikings catching Washington at a good time? Yes, in terms of, you know, just you're coming off your bye week. They're coming off a hard fought game. They've got some injuries. But, you know, I don't think a Mike Zimmer team is going to be prone to a letdown. Uh, but the stakes on this game are far higher for Washington than for Minnesota.
1: If Williams, the normal left tackle, isn't back, Everson Griffin against TJ Clemings. Yeah, bet the over. Ooh, that would be fun. Okay. I forgot TJ. He's yeah. starting for Washington. Yeah, yeah, he started yesterday. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he must have been okay. I mean, I don't think Seattle had all these sacks. Now, maybe they had a tight end over there. Whatever. Although, Niles Paul's another guy that's out. So, they were down. Reed, Crowder, Paul, Williams. Now, some of these guys might be back this week. But I'm just thinking from that standpoint, personnel standpoint, you know, you're getting them at a good time. From a desperation standpoint, maybe not so much. Briefly, Vikings fans should root for... Who tonight? Do you actually root for the Packers? You want the Lions to lose?
0: Yeah. because As weird as that sounds? Because you don't think the Packers are going to be able to make a run, so just let's get Detroit out of there, I suppose. So I I would think, strange as it sounds, I think you are rooting for the
1: Packers. And then you play at Detroit on Thanksgiving. They already won here. That's a knockout punch on Thanksgiving.
0: If You set it up if they lose tonight and you beat them in Detroit Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, the division race is over by
1: December 1st. right? All right, hang tight when we come back. It's not a new topic, but I was at Mary Chi Arena on Friday. I was blown away by what I saw. So we'll talk college hockey as a whole when we come back. It's 1500 ESPN. (laughs)